through 31, but mainly verses 26, 27, and 28. Let's ask the Lord blessing upon our time. Dearly fathers, we just proclaim that not only are you good, but you are gracious. And not only are you good and gracious, but you are the king that has no need of anything. And that phrase that we said so empty-handed is how we come praising you. As we look into your word today, we will see that as mere mortals created in your image, that that is our only response, empty-handed, to give you glory. There's so much that needs to be learned by each one of us from your word that would help govern us and give us understanding of how to live. So, dearly Father, illuminate in our hearts the truth of your word that we may live more obediently, may we may follow you, giving you the praise and the glory for all things. In your name we pray. Amen. So when I used to teach, I would tell the kids at times, all right, everybody put on your thinking caps. And I never really understood exactly what that meant because my, my parents said it to me. So I would say it to them, you know, we're going to do a lot of thinking here, all right? And so today there's a couple of times where I'm going to actually ask for a little bit of, uh, as we would call it, participation here. And so the first one that I'm going to ask is a simple question. And I think you guys are smart enough as a group to figure this out. And the question is, what presidents are on Mount Rushmore? All right, let's see if we can get one of them. All right, Washington. What's the other one? Lincoln, Jefferson, and Roosevelt. Very good. But sadly, um, you all failed. And you go, no, we didn't fail. The question I ask you, what presidents are on Mount Rushmore? If you would have gotten that right, we could have walked and left and headed off to the Orgy household. But let me tell you, there is, there's not a single president on Mount Rushmore. There are images are on Mount Rushmore. This is why we need to spend a lot of time in our text today, because all of you are telling me that they were there, but they aren't really there. Their image is there. And hence the reason why we did part two of the image bearing of God. I want to let you know my dad did not get this, neither did Pastor Caleb when I asked him. <laughs> it was a little bit of a trick question. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 and 28. Yeah, let's follow along. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over every livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them. And that's where we will stop. So before we go any further, though, I want to give us a little bit of a summary of where we're going. Before we get to this pause, and you can literally see it in your Bible translation there, verse 27, you, would, you should see it in almost poetic form there. There's a gap. As the reader is reading through here, the writers of Scripture, and even as God is telling Moses here, there's some gap here, there's a pause in Scripture, and when we hit a pause, guess what you should do? Pause and go, why is it the way it is? Why does the text all of a sudden break, break out in poetic form here? Well, because we have, we've been moving to this point. Everything's been moving to this point. So let's get moving to this point. 
So we've already established from the very beginning that the eternal, sovereign ruler of all things, which is God, created the world in six days. God spoke the world into existence, and He gave each thing He created designs and limits. He separated the light from the darkness. He spread out the waters. He made the land and the sea. He made the stars with purpose of marking seasons and times. He made plants to grow and to reproduce. He made the birds and the sea creatures to swarm and fill the sky and even blessed them and said, be multiply, be fruitful and multiply. And now on day six, we're seeing that he made the animals to fill the land and commanded them to be fruitful and multiply. And even these creatures that he created, he gave them limits as well as even the ability to reproduce after their kind. Now, there is one thing, though, that we need to establish before we go any further that when God created land animals, he created mammals, and mammals he created with the ability to, when they have young, to actually produce milk to nourish them. And these mammals produced uh, the milk that is nourishing to them. I want to be clear that that is what he gave mammals the ability to do. So mankind and its great rebellion has been trying to make milk out of everything else that there is. So when you go to the store and you see someone saying there's milk made out of rice, you know, that's a great rebellion against God-created order, and the oats don't make milk, nor do almonds make milk, only mammals. And just to help you set that out for you Wisconsinites if you're confused. <laughs> you can call it whatever you want to call it, but let's not call it milk. Saying that, all joking aside, though, true seekers, any true seekers in the room here, raise your hand real quick. All right, now I need you to see if we can figure, remember this. This is asking you a question way back. In September, all right. Do you remember when you guys would come to True Seekers and you had a question and an answer you had to go through, right? We call these catechisms. All right, let's see if you guys can, how many, we got four here, any others in the room? I think we got some Pluckamans back there too. All right, see if we can, guys can figure this out. Remember the first question is, who is God? Do any of you remember the answer to that? I'll help you out. You want to try? Go ahead. Very good, which is what we just literally established already. Very good. That God is the creator, and he is the ruler of everyone and everything. All right, This is one of the things as we understand who God is. Notice how we even started with him, that he is the sovereign ruler of all things. And then from that realm, everything else comes to be. Now we see in our text here, the triune God speaks. And we looked at it a little bit last week but we're also going to look at it even more. And notice the triune God says, let us make man. Now, remember the created order was everything according to its kind, right? As God is creating. And now the question is, that's hanging here in the air is, what is this kind going to look like? Because God is going to make something according to, if you want to almost call it his kind or his image, well, what's that going to be? Right? Because remember, the animals were not made after the image of God. Now God's going to make something after his own image. And we see in front of us, what is that going to look like? So point number one is made in the image of God. Let's look at this word image. The word image, biblical, the way the Bible uses the word image, and this is something that's very key, and I encourage you to write this down. The word image talks about one's likeness or resemblance. One's likeness or resemblance. When you hear the image of God, it's likeness or resemblance. Just like you pick up a quarter. Well, there's a little quiz here. Who's on the quarter? Very good. But whose image is on the quarter? You're get, you're, we're, we're catching on here, right? 
Whose image is on the quarter? George Washington. It's even his little side profile, right? And so as we see that image that is there, what carries with it, and you can go, I was trying to look up some things of why we put presidents and all these people on, on you know, bills and quarters and everything else, but there's so many different theories about why that is, so I decided not even to go down that route. But we put presidents on there as we put their image on there to remind us of their likeness and everything about them and all of that, but it's obviously not George Washington. Now, we see this, and uh, you don't need to turn here, but if you want to read this story, you can turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in captivity, and Nebuchadnezzar makes a golden image of himself, all right? And he tells, he brings everybody in the area there, and literally this image is a likeness or a resemblance of Nebuchadnezzar, all right? And so, as this is happening there, all of the people are called to come, and when the the music is played, they are to bow down and worship the image. But he's right there. Because if you worship the image, it was the same as worshiping the individual, even though you're worshiping the image. This is the same thing that happens when um, in the, one of the multiple Iraq conflicts, when they were trying to overthrow that area, they would come into a town, and one of the first things that they would rip down was the statue of Saddam Hussein. And they would drag it through the streets and everybody's cheering. All they're doing is ripping apart metal that was already there. But Because remember, that statue resembled the image of Saddam Hussein. And they couldn't stand him. So how do you get back at it? You go after the image of the individual. And as we start thinking through what does this mean, it means that human beings are made in the likeness of God. All right, this is what the summary statement, or human beings are made in the resemblance of God. So we have to say, so what does that mean? All right, so we've gotten that they're made in the likeness, they're made in the resemblance of God. What does that mean? So let's just start with some very basic things. Humans are different than animals. All right, let's, I mean, again, you may say, we really have to establish this. Yes, we do. We live in a world that does not understand that. All right, that would mean that human beings are not just a higher evolved animal. Human beings from the very core are different than animals. All right, that is a very key process here as we understand that. And so we can even go even further. Human beings can reason and are not driven by instinct. Human beings can reason and are not driven by instinct. So I give you an example. As we say things like, well, that's just the way I am. All right, that, does not ex- that, that kind of thinking does not exist in biblically speaking. We would say human beings have been given the, the ability to reason. So like human beings can make choices. They can act with their will. We're going to see what happened when Adam acted with his will. And the result of all of that that happened with everybody else's wills that are descendants of Adam. But Adam made a willful choice. It was not a fictitious choice. He made a choice. And we'll see the choices he made. And he's given the ability to make choices. And we'll see all the conflict that comes. Human beings are also have been created to be in fellowship. All right, we see this fellowship. We see the fellowship between God and man. We also see the fellowship between man and female, between male and female, or another way of saying it, man and man. All right, between God and man and man and man. They are designed to be in community. We even see when he created them to be in community, which again resembles back to the Trinity, which by definition is the design to be in community. Human beings, then, because they're created in the image of God, 
have intrinsic dignity. The idea of intrinsic dignity, intrinsic means by definition. A human being has intrinsic dignity. So this would how it plays out. There are not some human beings that are better than other human beings. All human beings are created in the image of God. That doesn't matter whether they have the same mental capacity because of whether struggles that happened in the womb or anything else like that. Each one of them, by definition, is an image bearer of Almighty God. I mean, we see this in, in, um, when God introduced Himself to Moses when He said, Who made man deaf, mute, blind, all these things? God made him after His own image. This destroys any idea of elitism among the races or anything else. All mankind is created in the image of God. There is not one race that is better than the other race because we are all image bearers of God. By very definition, they are. This is also then one of the arguments why murder is going to be wrong because murder is one image bearer destroying another image bearer and that image bearer does not have the right to do that. Only who does? The Creator. All right, and now we have to deal with that, <laughs> that the Creator has the right to tell one person to live and not to live. And we've, that's our own wrestle that we have to handle that the sovereign Creator does that. But what we see in front of us is that human beings, by the very definition, and these are the things that must be taught to our children and our children's children's children, so we never get to the point where one human being thinks that they are somehow, by just definition, better than another. The only reason they have any dignity at all is because they are image bearers of God. This is what we also need to teach our kids when they sit there and they look to get their acceptance, they look to get their likes from the social media world around us. I just want to throw this out to you real quick. This last week, uh, one of the, I guess it was a Surgeon General of the United States, has literally said, social media is not good for kids. Okay, now let me just throw this out to you real quick. Because social media teaches our kids to live a certain way and to do certain things that are not God-honoring. Okay, let's just help this help you out. So, if an unsaved pagan can understand that social media is not good for the youth of the United States, which as much power is invested in me as, what in the world are believers allowing their kids to just feast upon these things? You as adults, for crying out loud, same thing. This is a wrestle. We all have to wrestle. Why? Because we're trying to get our dignity from these things, not from literally the fact that we are created in the image of God. It's one of these things where you go, wake up and let's stop drinking the Kool-Aid, all y'all, including myself. Because these things start to warp our thinking. They start to think that we're either greater than we are or that we're less than we are. And no wonder we have a society that is so anxious because they can't trust their Creator who made them the way they are. They only live their lives with likes or dislikes. And I would say to you, encourage you, not just kids, because all of us are really good at saying, yeah, the kids have issues. All right. Well, let's just say we all do. Because we all are looking for other things around us to get our verification of who we are, not understanding that it is from Christ and Christ alone because you are an image bearer of God. You don't need anybody else to tell you how wonderful you are because God has said, I made you in my image. Now, we don't do this in a puffed up way. I'm going to make clear of this. But we do it in a way that understands. You have dignity whether anybody else says you have it or not because God has made you in his image. Now, 
Let's say what does not mean. I'm going to be clear real quick here. Humans are not God. All right, let's just go through this. Humans are not God. No more. But again, you all forgot this, and thankfully Paul reminded us of this. Who's on Mount Rushmore? Nobody. Images are, right? So is the image, the, is George Washington there? No, his head is, all right? They couldn't do the rest of the body. If you ever get there, they found out, should have tested the rest of the rock. All right, but George Washington's there, and we have all the heads of these people that are there, but they are not there. So that would mean, by definition, his image is there, he is not. So you, you are an image bearer of God, you are not God. You are just an image bearer of him. Another one. Human beings can also, though, display several of the characteristics of God because they are image bearers of God. Now, we have two different types of attributes or characteristics of God. Some are common that man can have with God, and some are not common. Now, in theological terms, you like to take a simple word and make it complex. So, what they have is you have communicable attributes, which literally means one that mankind have in common with God. So the communicable attributes that we have in common with God are things like love. God is love. We have been called to what? To love. We can have wisdom. We can make good decisions. We have Solomon that's showing how to make a wise decision and what not. The whole book of Proverbs is, here's a lot of wisdom. Don't mess it up. Use it wisely. All right, we have other ones like a grace. We can show grace to one another. Why? Because we are image bearers of God. We can be faithful. We can be truthful. All of those things. Why? Because we image God in that way. Now, we'll get to the fall later that really messed things up, all right? But we can image Him in those ways. Now, there are ones we do not have in common with God, which would be the term incommunicable, not common. So even no matter what you think about your spouse or you, none of us are all-knowing. All right? God is. All right? None of us are omnipresent. God is. None of us are unchangeable. God is. We are very fickle. We change with the, the wind in many things. But God does not. That's why we trust in Him and Him alone. That's why we do not trust in man. The arm of man will fail you, but He will not. Why? Because what He says He has to do by His very nature, He is unchangeable. We are just a mess because we are not the same as Him. Notice how we, not only are we created in his likeness, but notice in verse 27, after this beautiful poem, so God created man in his own image, and then what we're going to do is in the way that the Hebrew write their poetry, they're going to say the same thing again, but they swap it. In the image of God, he created him. And so we see this because we're trying to make sure, in the way Hebrew poetry does, we're going to restate it because it's very important to make sure that we understand that we are image bearers of God. And not only did he create an image bearer of God, he created two separate categories. And that is revolution in our day and age, which is just amazing to me. He created him male and female. He created them. God made humans in two distinct categories, male and female. Both are made in the image of of Almighty God. Not male made in the image of God and then female made in something else later. Both are made in the image of God. What does that mean then? Both have dignity. Both have equal value because they are both made in the image of God. You take a quick look down through history, you will see, especially sadly, the, the feminine world viewed as a lesser 
of that because in the majority of the time the feminine world does not have the same strength as the male world and the male world then dominates the female world and treats them as a lesser individual but that is not taught from scripture that is an error of scripture that is an error of people not understanding what scripture clearly says that men and women are both created with equal value and given their status by God himself I mean we need to make sure we're clear on this because it's very quick when we start to understand this, that one is no better or lesser than the other. That male and female were created, these two distinct roles given to us by God Himself. But now their purpose and their roles, just like the animal world, will be given to them by God. We will find out what their purpose and roles are, that one is called male and one is called female, and each one of them will have different roles and different tasks, but not that anyone is greater or lesser than the other. I mean, think through this. Remember, who designed this? The Trinity. Is God the Father any lesser than God the Son? No. But do they have different roles? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit any different than God the Father, God the Son? The answer is no. But what do they have? Different roles. And as we look through all of this, even God the Father is saying to His Son, you die and I will glorify you so people will know about you and the different roles they play. What did Jesus do when He was here on earth? He submitted to what the Father had given him to do. And even in this beautiful relationship, you have equal in value, yet different in role. And what we're going to see as we go through these things, a beautiful picture of male and female given exactly what God has designed them to do to give him glory. And we're going to see this in a beautiful tapestry all over the place in Genesis chapter 2. We'll get to 3 later, all right, where everything goes south. But men given the task to do what they've been given to do, women given the task that they've been given to do, and when done, it brings about completeness, harmony, and beauty for what God has created them to do. Again, we cannot state this even greater. They are equal in value, yet given different roles. No different than birds were given the air to fly in, the fish were given the sea to swim in, the animals were given the land to do, and this is what God has created them to do for His glory and for His purposes. So then we get to verse 28. God blesses them. He's going to say something to them. We'll just stop at that word, be, because we've we'll, we got a lot to do next week. But God blessed them and said, be. Notice that word, be, is going to be a command. There's going to be a purpose. And the purpose is in front of us is because what everything God does, when God makes something, He designs it for a purpose down to its very core. Mankind is no different. If you had the privilege of being here with us, I don't even remember when we did it, but when we were going through the holiness of God and R.C. Sproul was talking about the seraphim in Isaiah 6 and about there were two wings that covered their eyes, two that they flew with, and two that covered their feet. And R.C. Sproul was teaching us through there that when God creates things, He creates them for a purpose. Everything He does created for a purpose. And we got R.C. Sproul's thoughts of why they were created that way. We don't know exactly, but he can, his speculation was because the, eye, the God is so holy, those who dwell in the presence of the holiness of God literally have to cover their eyes because of how great and glorious God is. And then he even said the two were to move on its back. And then he reminded us that maybe the two on his feet were to remind themselves that this, cre this creation, this cherubim, was a created being. Because what shows us that we are created, and he then went into even humanity, 
What shows us as humans that we are from the dust? The sheer fact that what are our feet connected to all day long? The dust showing that you are a creature, not the creator. You are not too far from the dirt from whence you came. All right, and so everything God does, He creates and designs it for that very purpose. So mankind's purpose comes directly from His created status. And what is mankind's created status? The image bearer of God. So let's put it this way. Mankind's image bearing is to reflect or resemble God in the world. As mankind image bears God, they reflect God and resemble God in the world. Just like the image of a president is meant to honor the president. Like, so when you go to Mount Rushmore, you see these carvings, and it helps you remember Washington. It helps you remember Lincoln and all the other presidents are there. It helps you remember what these men did, and there's an honor that is there. All right? That's why we make statues that resemble people, in order to honor them. And so if you are an image bearer of God, what is your very task? To honor and to glorify who? God. All right, true seekers, let's see if you can get your hat on because we're going to do number two. Why did God make us? Do we remember that one? I'll help you out. Two. Back here. One of it doesn't matter which one. Say it with gusto. So close. You want to see if you can get it? Very good. To glorify God and to love Him forever. All right, and as we go through these things, we can remember, even from, let's be honest, the mouth of children, reminding ourselves of what? That God is the creator and ruler of all mankind, and what is our job? To reflect Him and to glorify God. And how do we do that? By loving Him and obeying what He has called us to do. How is Adam going to do that? By loving Him and doing what God had said. What do we see? Be, and Adam was to be. All right, the things we're going to see next. I'll walk through these here real quick. In verse 28, mankind was to be fruitful. He was to multiply. He was to fill the earth. He is to subdue it and have dominion over creation. Now, just a little teaser here real quick. As we think about all of these things that are there, we all are people of our culture. And it doesn't take long to, if anybody actually reads National Geographic anymore, to pick up National Ge Geographic and realize that the writers of National Geographic, the animals are the main people, not the humans in the world anymore, all right? And all of a sudden you start going, so what is man's place? How do we handle that? We live in a day and age that tells us all that you, you humans, and me humans, are going to kill us all by just living, and so we don't know how to live, you know, the inconvenient truth, which is inconveniently not working out as conveniently as it was supposed to work out in 2002, 2003, has only left us even more anxious to not know what to do or how to live. You turn on everything, and we literally have created a generation growing up that tells them if they either eat this or eat that, if they drive this or drive that, you will kill us all and you literally rest on your shoulders what to do when we have kids screaming, panicking about understanding this world and everything else and we have to go, wait a minute. What is our biblical response to this? And so then the church swings in both pendulums. 
You get the one guy that goes out there and goes, I'm just going to leave my car idling all day. I care less about all this stuff. And then you have the group over here that bows down to the altar of creation, not creator, and worships that. And we say, what's a fellow going to do during this time, right? How do we walk through this? Because some of these words here sound like subdue. You try going to a radical environmentalist and say, my God-given right is subdue the earth. They're going to start sharpening their pickaxes and getting the torches ready. All right, that's not a popular word. But guess what? The word of God tells us to do that. What does it mean to have dominion over something? And we've got to work through that. Even down to the attack on the womb to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth that has been going on and even picking up even more. We've got a lot to cover next week. But in summary, start to think through this. You are a created being in the image of God. When we think about what we learned today, you are a created being in the image of God. And here's what you were created to do. To display, reflect, and resemble God all throughout the world. You have been called to display, reflect, and resemble God all throughout the world. When we think through what this is going to look like, when we think through how this is going to happen, we should be then drawn to what we're going to be studying next week. And what we're going to be studying next week is how this is supposed to look. How is this supposed to play out? How we're supposed to interact with these things? Because if we don't understand that, we don't understand then how to glorify God. So part of our glorifying God is actually doing what He's created you to do. Let's think through that for a moment. In order to glorify God, you must do what He has created you to do. What is man's great rebellion against right now? I don't want to do my created order. I don't even want you to tell me what my created order is. I want to tell my own created order. And it's even going down to not only how it acts out, because here's what's happened. It has happened like this for centuries, and I blame it. Let's be honest. The church has a lot that they have to handle. Because for year after year after year after year, we have said there really is no difference between men and women. Whatever a man can do, a woman can do. Whatever a woman can do, a man can do. And we bought the Kool-Aid long time ago. And it doesn't take long before then when we start talking like that and we say there is no differences between male and female, what does the world start to do? Hey, we can pick up that drum and we can beat that drum. And we'll just start beating that drum to the point where gender is then whatever you want it to do. Everything is fluid and we go down the fluid world and there is no right, there is no wrong, and I would say it's because the church has lost its voice because we are, number one, not saying it, and number two, not doing it. I would also say, too, and we all need to address this when we even look at the environment around us. One of the reasons why I would say the environmental world has hijacked it is because the church has not done their God-given order of what they've called them to do. A little spoiler, we're going to talk about Stewardship. And I, that's a, it's, a, it's a hard topic to handle. All right, because there's so many crazies out there, you don't want to sound like the crazy, but you have to go, we need to sound biblical. All right, what does biblical look like? And it's, it's a, I'll be honest with you, as I've been working on next week's sermon, there's some moments you have to go, hmm, what's my attitude been towards this? And... Because the text says what it says, and we need to be good stewards of what God has given us. Also, the same thing, too, 
How do I respond when I see the world being fluid in many of the things that is clear that we should not be fluid in? Do I respond and just say how evil they are, or do I understand and say, I need to go back to saying, am I doing what God has called me to do? Because if I'm not being a true reflection and image bearer of God, how do I expect anyone else to even know what that is? Because what have we been called to do? Reflect and resemble God to the world around us. That is why I think, as we've said before, the task in front of us is great, but by God's strength, He will help us do it. But it starts by each one of us looking into our own hearts and saying, and I step out of this world, I'm reflecting God to the world around me. How am I reflecting God? Am I glorifying Him? Am I pointing others to Him? Or am I pointing them to myself? Which is crazy, because if you point it to yourself, who are you pointing it to? It should be going to God, right? Because you're an image bearer of God. So you're already in a way, and it's just been a wrestle of going like, self is nothing, because what does self even resemble? God. So let's point everyone to God, not only by how we live, by what we say, what we do, because we say it's only through God and God alone that we have the strength to do this. That is why we're literally going to sing a song here soon is, as the deer thirsts after God, I mean, as the deer thirsts after the stream, so I should thirst like that after God. Do we thirst after that like God? And the reason why we need to thirst after God like that is He literally is the Creator, that one that we have been made after. And so if you want to even throw this out to you, before the fall, this line would not be true. Before the fall, to err would not be human. After the fall, what is human? To err. Before the fall, we've been designed in a perfect way to glorify God in every way, shape, and form of what we do, and we'll see that being played out. So my, my challenge for you today is this. As the true seekers reminded us that God is the king and ruler of all things, and as they reminded us of our purpose that we are called to glorify God and to love him forever, be people of the word. Be people who love God with all their heart, soul, and mind and strength. And then the song that we're about to sing, may this truly actually be a prayer from our hearts that we would thirst after him with everything that we do. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you that you are God and God alone. Thank you that you are the creator, sustainer of all things. Thank you that we are created in your image. And even though most of us, we sat here and we nodded our head in agreement, Dear Holy Father, help us to truly actually live it out to display that, and as we see people around them trying hard to reject it all, may we weep and understand that they are missing the Creator God. Help us to thirst after you above all. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. If you could stand with us as we sing. This morning's song can be-